Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, my friends, my visitors, my guests, my listeners. This is Dr. Simon, and today I have more stories about the religion of psychotherapy. Now, uh, for a fuller understanding of today's broadcast, you may have to go back, or you may want to go back a week, where I did a discussion, and I was joined by a uh, psychiatrist, a retired psychiatrist, and I am retired, and I'll talk about why that's important in a moment. Uh, And we discussed uh, how so much of psychotherapy, as it's based on the medical model and uses medical uh, terminology, really operates like an authoritarian religion. Um, Let me start out by defining Well, let me just back up a second. Uh, We were very negative in many ways about psychotherapy uh, and didn't really explore the upside of going to a psychotherapist. So this broadcast, if I'm joined by any um, professionals who want to uh, uh, join me to discuss this topic, that would be fine. But this is really directed at the non-professional audience individuals who have been in or are thinking of or are in distress and think that maybe they should see uh, a psychotherapist. Uh, You can have psychotherapy from a psychiatrist who has a medical degree, and that is really not um, prevalent anymore. Most psychotherapists really now work under the umbrella of, of the pharmaceutical industry and uh, push drugs called medicines to uh, supposedly end the psychological and social difficulties of individuals who are suffering uh, from behaviors and and attitudes uh, and emotions that are very distressed and distressing, distressed to others, but more importantly, distressing for themselves. These, These are things are called mental illnesses, And I think we did a very good job. And for those of you who might have been following my show, uh, I've been doing a very consistent uh, attack on the idea that mental illnesses are really judgments about people's behavior, the way they think, the way they express their emotions, that the very emotions that they feel um, dressed up in plain sight as medical terms. And I'm not going to repeat that. Uh, that argument. However, I feel that if somebody is going to go to psychotherapy, they really have to go and be uh, what is now known as an informed consumer. They should be aware that they will be labeled with a term mental illness and that um, very often if they talk about being depressed and feeling depressed and sad and hopeless, Uh, Or if they hallucinate that they see things that nobody else can see or voices that nobody else can hear, uh, they will have drugs pushed on them that hide the very cause and the reason that these distressed and distressing behaviors and patterns of emotional expression exist in the first place. Because they are psychological phenomena and there is no evidence that they come from any kind of errant or abnormal biology. And if such 
a day comes, it can be shown that depression is the result of uh, some kind of chemical imbalance in the brain, then they won't be called mental illnesses. They'll be called uh, physical problems, medical problems, and will be treated by uh, neurologists uh, and, and others who deal with the hormones in the body and the chemical imbalances in a person. Right? But that hasn't happened yet. So to be an educated consumer, one has to walk in to the doctor's office and work out a deal an understanding that you don't want to be labeled, and if you are going to be labeled because you want insurance payment, you know I'm going to know exactly what it is and the reasons that this particular so-called diagnosis has been chosen. And if you do this, you can get a tremendous amount of benefit out of psychotherapy. What's wrong with psychotherapy has nothing to do with what's right with it, although what's right with it gets eclipsed by this medical model and the lies that unhappiness and disturbed and disturbing behavior are somehow a function of your biology and not of what most of us who work in the field recognize them to be injustice, unfairness, uh, brutality uh, that becomes internalized as a story in which you do to yourself what was done by others in the name of, of what was right and what was good, and at the same time, uh, get trapped in a story that you can't see from the outside. Um, I tell psychologists, if you want to really get an education, you have to read from outside the field about the field. And um, I forgot to do it, but I'm going to post some books for some of my colleagues that I believe are essential reading. A book uh, on, uh, entitled by a philosopher named Hans Jonas, uh, The Phenomenon of Life, which is a philosophy of biology. And then a wonderful book by a uh, psychologist in South Africa called What is the Self, which is a philosophy of psychology. What psychotherapy does when it does it right is give you a perception of your own life story that you're trapped in from another outside source where you're asked questions in a way that are non-judgmental, where you don't condemn, you're not being condemned, and it's the condemnation of you as a person that's very often the source of so much of the misery that people have, and at the same time allows a discussion to take place that's privileged, that is, it's private. It's personal. You learn you can say whatever you want to say, and you won't be judged as abnormal, except for the fact that the damn diagnosis may change and become more severe. But this is something, as the consumer, you need to understand if you want to get the best of therapy. And the best of therapy is a conversation, a discussion that allows you as an individual to learn about some of the psychological and language traps that you're caused in. And I want to talk about that in a, in a moment. That'll be the bulk of this discussion. I believe, and I've talked about this, and I have a book that I'm very excited about that'll be out in a few months, and maybe a few weeks even, 
uh, as an e-book and as a paperback, a paperback book, uh, in which I talk about my own um, uh, change, the evolution, the transformation of myself from somebody who was a, known as a top-notch diagnostician to somebody who hates the idea of diagnosing somebody with a moral label. Uh, and, and I end up, for those who've watched this, listened to my show, talking about psychotherapy, and I put therapy in quotes. If, in fact, we're dealing with... Um, if, in fact, we're dealing with metaphorical illnesses, then this is metaphorical therapy. Uh, it's not therapy. It's an educational experience. And the educational type of experience I'm talking about grows out of and enhances the notion of democracy. And again, I've done a number of shows, and in my book I trace not only the growth of democracy as a function of in, uh, of universal education, of the development of critical thinking that comes out of science. You don't have to actually do experiments to be a scientist. One needs to learn to think critically about things, to develop uh, what, I forget the name of the educational theorists. Oh, this is going to annoy me too late. Maybe I'll remember it. Who talked about education to help you develop what's called a crap finder. That when somebody gets out of, of, of a high school or college, they have developed a crap finder. That is, they can discern and even try to figure out why one statement is really full of crap and, and, and bullshit and something else has valid facts, observable facts that can be discussed and discerned as explanations for the behavior. The Declaration of Independence is an incredible document. And the more I, I think about it from a psychological point of view, the more I'm in awe of the people who wrote it. Uh, Thomas Jefferson wrote it, and he was a slave owner. So he didn't practice what he was preaching. And he didn't because he didn't see his slaves as fully human. Uh, when, when, when the battle over the ratification of the of the Constitution, uh, who could vote? Blacks could not vote because uh, they were basically seen as three-fifths of a human being. And that's the essence of authoritarianism. The authority, whether it's a psychiatrist or a psychologist or, 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 or a, a preacher or uh, somebody uh, in your life, whoever that might be, says, I know what's best, and you have no right to question it. You are not my equal. And it's true, you may not be my equal in a psychotherapy room in terms of what I know, because I have to know something you don't know that I'm willing to try and get you to understand or, or teach you. But that doesn't mean as a human being you are any less or more than I am, or that your priest or your rabbi is or that your president of the United States is. People in a democracy have, to, have it expressed in that statement. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, among them life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, there's a lot to discuss in this, which I'm really not going to 
discuss at any great length, but one of the parts of the thing that I would do is rewrite this. In 1776, I think it was all right to say all men are created equal. I think I would rewrite it and say, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all human beings are created equal and endowed not by their creator, because we're not created, uh, and, and our, our forefathers believed very fervently in the separation of politics and religion. There had to be a firewall between it. They then wrote a constitution that was based on the laws of human beings as they saw fit at that time to write them. So I would say, endowed by the will and wisdom of humanity with certain inalienable rights, among them life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, in my book, I discuss that you can't pursue happiness. You can pursue a variety of things, but happiness and joy come upon you when you live in a certain way with other people, when you create something that's beautiful that only you can create, whatever that happens to be, whether it's a painting or a dance, a piece of music, or a really, really good loaf of bread. So, the authoritarian has a different mo uh, idea of all human beings. Um, and I, I have a wonderful quote that I remember from George Orwell, who wrote 1984, uh, the book 1984, which is the masterpiece describing authoritarian and totalitarian uh, uh, regimes. Totalitarianism... Authoritarianism says you will behave as I want you to behave. You will be obedient. In totalitarianism, you will be obedient in your thought and emotion as well. Your inner life is, is, the, is the masters, is the authorities. So when Winston Smith in that book uh, is told, by the time we finish with you, if we tell you two and two is five, you will truly believe that two and two is five. Um, and I won't give away the ending of the book for anybody who hasn't read that book, particularly in the time of now living, it is, has to be read. As with the other book uh, that was anti-authoritarian, and that was Animal Farm. Uh, and as the animals become organized, the pigs become the leader, and they say all animals are created equal, but some of us are created more equal than others. And I thought that was a piece of masterful insight, because that really is the heart of authoritarian and totalitarianism. We're all equal, but I'm more equal than you. You're less than me. And so what is it that comes from a really good therapy? One is that there is a discussion over time. And I have seen patients for two, three, some more years that deals with whatever you feel comfortable talking about as the patient. And eventually, one of the things that, some of the things that get talked about are things that are deeply shameful, deeply painful, so that they can now be examined in the light of certain principles. And two of the principles, or several of the principles, that make up uh, an insight into stories that we get trapped by you see, and, and uh, 
I, as I said in my last couple of broadcasts, I just want to back up a second. You don't have to go for therapy necessarily. You have to read a lot. You have to study a lot. School is incredibly important, particularly if you understand the difference between those aspects of school that are authoritarian and those that are really based on a true democracy. Open discussions about facts, where there's respect for opinions, where we differentiate what a person's opinion is from what a fact is. You're entitled to your opinion. You're not entitled to your fact. So that all kinds of understanding about the educational process, uh, I believe, are necessary. But that's left for another show and another time. And if anybody ultimately wants to read my book, they can read about it there. Uh, I started out as a very authoritarian kind of professor and ended up in a very different place where my idea of a classroom uh, was as democratic as I could make it. Facts mattered, topics mattered, but opinions also had to be respected. And the person who makes an error uh, on a fact is not to be ever humiliated or held up to ridicule or told that they're stupid or uneducated, or an ignoramus, or any of the other terrible labels that can be thrown at an individual uh, that I will explain in a moment. So what are the psychological principles that I believe everybody has to understand about the story that they live by? First, that, that that story was given to us by authorities, our parents, who may have loved us a lot or may not have loved us a lot who may have been helping us become part of a democratic family or an authoritarian family, uh, who gave us our religion, who gave us our name. And our religion can have humanistic and democratic aspects, or it can have totally authoritarian aspects. You do as I say, and I am not to be questioned. And I could beat you to death in the name of God, or snuff out your life in the name of God if you disagree with what uh, my religion says is the truth, factually and morally. To understand the difference between a judgment and a description. And I go through this at length in my book, but I'm going to talk about a little about it now. A description is something that talks about something's color, shape, position, movement, what it does. To describe a human being, we describe their behavior. Um, I ate some tomato soup this afternoon. That's what I did. Um, I drove my car to buy a bottle of wine. That's what I did. It's what I did. It's not who I am. It's what I did. And so it becomes very important that if I tasted the soup and I say the soup is delicious, I've made a judgment about the soup. Judgments are based on facts or hopefully are based on facts. And they determine in our opinion, and it's always a more a, a judgment is always an opinion about the goodness or the badness or the worth and the quality of the thing being described. When we judge behavior, 
we are making moral judgments. Uh, A man killed his wife. It's a description. He did a bad, bad thing. That's a judgment. What happens in so much of life is we confuse our judgments with descriptions and turn the judgments into descriptions. Uh, I'm always in awe of somebody who could write a beautiful symphony. Talk about my book. On one very glum night in my teenage years, I came up and I turned on Rachmaninoff's Second Symphony, and it literally listening to it changed my life and how I felt about things. And I was always in awe of someone like Rachmaninoff or Beethoven or Tchaikovsky or some of the modern composers I like so very much. How can they write music? The judgmental answer is that geniuses. But the word genius has no meaning. It does not in any way describe how an individual is able to write a symphony, particularly a good symphony or a symphony I consider in my judgment to be a good or wonderful symphony. Well, when I was teaching in college, I became very friendly with a composer uh, who was rather bitter and said that his compositions over the years Uh, weren't being played. They were all published, but they weren't being played by major symphony orchestras, and they weren't being recorded. He was a very good teacher. He was highly respected by his students, and he was quite democratic in how he treated them as human beings equal to him who don't write music in any way, uh, in most cases, as well as he. Sadly, after his death, his music has become discovered, and now there are one recording after another popping up, uh, played by major symphony orchestras and well-known conductors, uh, sometimes alone and sometimes paired with other American uh, contemporary composers. And I said to him once, how do you write a symphony? He said to me, the same way you write a book. You Think in words. You hear words. I think in music. I hear music. And it became so clear why he thinks in music and why I think in words, that individual difference, I don't know how to explain. Maybe from background, maybe from pieces of biology, maybe something we inherited. I don't know. Uh, Trying to figure out why one person is different from another not better, not worse, but different, is very difficult. There are so many factors in how we're raised and how we uh, experience life uh, that, that we end up all different from each other, even though we're all the same. We're all human and in many ways the same, but simultaneously no two of us are the same. We're all different. And that includes identical twins. Right, who are born face-to-face very often, one left-handed and one right-handed. And to come into the world right-handed is very different than to come into the world as left-handed. We live in a world that is right-handed. I want to buy a golf club. I have to order it and try it after I bought it. Because very few golf clubs uh, on the stands in in the uh, PGA store uh, or or, uh, any other sporting goods store for left-handed players. Different world. 
to see the world from the left side rather than from the right side. Okay? So we're all different. The differences in the democracy are respected. They don't become the basis of abuse. They don't become the basis of I am better than you in my essence, which brings me to the next. If I judge the man who killed his wife, I judge his behavior. He committed murder, and I believe he should be imprisoned. I won't argue maybe he should be put to death, I don't believe in the death penalty, but that's another discussion for another time, if ever. But he should be punished for this. He should be held away to nothing else to make sure he never kills another individual, which I consider a morally bad, disgraceful act. But if we say he is a killer, it becomes the same as... He or she is mentally ill. It becomes attached, the judgment, not to the behavior, but to the essence of a person. And that is the second principle I try when I do my version of psychotherapy to get individuals to see. Many, if not most, of the people I have seen all my 51 years of, of, of work as a psychotherapist, believe that somewhere their essence is defective. I'm no good. I shouldn't have been born. I'm a piece of shit. Uh, with that, I just have to do a little humorous digression. Uh, I play golf, as I've mentioned many times, and there's a wonderful uh, 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 comedian named uh, Black, uh, Louis Black, and Lewis Black says, golf is a game for people who don't hate themselves enough. And I, even I fall prey to this, although when the words come out of my back, yo, shit, what did you just do with hitting that ball? I laugh because I understand the humor in it from my point of view as a psychologist. I hit a ball, a little ball in the wrong direction. There's no consequence for that. Sometimes I lose the ball, but so no great consequence. But here I am calling myself, well, anyway, a guy hit a, I played with this week, hit a 200 and some odd yard drive, a magnificent drive. And the second one, he shanked off to the right <laughs> into a bush. And you should have heard him curse himself and insult himself. I got hysterical. Um, four letter words about himself flew. <laughs> and you hear this all the time on a golf course, but you hear it all the time in people's lives and conversations. When they're angry at somebody, they curse them, their essence. You are no good. You shouldn't have been born. And I've never met anybody who doesn't judge themselves harshly that somehow didn't come out of an authoritarian family, religion, or society in which they learned to do that just self-judging, that their identity has a defect in it. Who they are as a human being is defective. And psychotherapy as a relationship, when it does the wonderful things that happen in a good therapy, separate out these elements. A person learns not to curse themselves. 
And along the way, they may very well learn not to curse others, that we become more empathic, more understanding. You could really not like the sin, but as the, the, uh, some people in the religious rites say, hate the sin, love the sinner, and every time I hear someone, which is rare, actually carry out on that statement, uh, I, I'm amazed, because most of the time is the sinner is coextensive with the sin. Just as in so much of psychiatry and psychology uh, and those who practice in the mental health industry, uh, as I refer to it and others refer to it, it is the essence of the individual that is defective. I am a schizophrenic. I am a depressive. I am obsessive compulsive. To learn the difference between a judgment and description and to learn that I sometimes do bad things rather than I am bad is enormous and freeing and allows individuals to grow. Because if I do a bad thing, I can say I'm sorry. I can seek forgiveness. I can change my behavior if I learn how. But to say I am bad or evil or wicked or nothing or nobody Nothing can be changed. To live in a world where you're surrounded or we're surrounded by people who are nothing and nobody and shits and stupid um, is to live nowhere. It's to live in a very dark place. So psychotherapy, if it's handled correctly by the professional and by the educated consumer, and this broadcast, I try to avoid at all times a how-to book or a how-to show. I don't know enough for anybody to live their life. But I do know that the capacity to intellectually and emotionally evaluate the stories that we live by, the narratives, and the way we express ourselves to other people about ourselves and how we talk about them, when we confuse judgments with descriptions, and we don't judge behavior but judge the essence the soul, if you will, of the human being, make for a very different lives. Gee, I feel good about this today's show. I felt really good about my discussion. I was joined last time by this wonderful retired psychiatrist. I should talk about that for a second. Uh, and I thought we had, a, from my point of view, a, a, a real meeting of minds. Um, psychotherapy is a product of democracy. It's a product of science. It's a product of education. To me, it is a form of education that when done, when practiced in a democratic way in which all human beings are equal and endowed with rights to life, liberty, and happiness, it's a wonderful process. When it is part of this medical model that says you are damaged. You have a brain that will need drugs for the rest of your life to be squared away. It's a horror. It's wrong. It is immoral. It is ignorant. So I'm going to hold on for a couple more minutes. Uh, I gave myself 45 minutes. 
So I've only been on the air for 22. So I'm going to hang out for a couple of minutes and then end this because even I can't listen to myself for more than a half an hour. Uh, when I discuss with somebody else, like last week, I had this wonderful discussion. Oh, by the way, that's what I wanted to say. Uh, I can be very free with my attack on the negative side of psychotherapy. And uh, Lee Coleman, my colleague and friend, can be very free with his attack on psychiatry, in part because we're both retired and no longer depend for our livelihood uh, on an income derived from calling people mentally ill and doing psychotherapy without the quotes. Um, I know that he was outspoken before he retired, as I was, but I now feel comfortable going on the air and trying to get people to understand who are not professionals how to become a patient and find a therapist. And if they have to find a therapist and create of that person the kind of therapist who will help you understand the dark stories that you are suffering by and have trapped you, and at the same time, understand the difference between doing bad and being bad, doing good and being good. So I'll be alone today. I don't expect it would be different. Um, and so I think I'm going to end my episode and make sure it comes on and can be accessed later by anybody who might wish to access it. I don't think I'm having anybody call in. Okay. Have a wonderful day, a wonderful evening, wherever you are. Uh, I'm looking outside. There's some very dark clouds, and about 30 miles north of, north of here, there are tremendous downpours with thunder, lightning, hail, and I suspect of, of uh, tornadic activity. Not good. Not good. So, good night. Goodbye. Take care.